Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome to the Healthy Herb Podcast, a place of information and inspiration for the home herbalist. I'm Bridget Doherty of the Solidago School of Herbalism, coming to you from a bridged island on the coast of Maine. In today's show, I'm talking about five herbs that I wished that I had brought with me on my recent travels and why. I'm also going to talk a bit about stinging nettles, harvest for the spring. Before we get started, I want you to know that I'm not a doctor, nor do I diagnose or treat people. What I share is based on my own experience and what I've learned from my mentors, including the plants themselves. Ultimately, I want you to be empowered in seeking and achieving your own version of optimum health. I want you to be inspired to connect and relate to the common plants that grow all around you. Together, let's make home herbalism be as common in the everyday household as cooking a healthy meal. Now, without further ado, let's have some fun and dig in. Well, I went down to Boston for the Easter holiday with my family uh, in the car, my husband and my six-year-old daughter, and went down to see my extended family for the holiday. And it was a great time, although I will say it was a little stressful. I have not driven on uh, crowded highways since pre-COVID pandemic, and I'm definitely out of practice and uh, had just not realized how high stress that is. So I know that I used to do it all the time, and it was just kind of second nature, but I think that not having done it in so long really made me realize how intense of an experience driving on highways with a lot of traffic at really high speeds can be, whether we are conscious of it or subconscious. I think that that stress must have a drastic effect on uh, all of us, whether we're aware of it or not. And so I was realizing when I got home after, you know, thinking about my trip and just really feeling like my nervous system really took a a hit um, from the travels that I really wish I had brought some herbs with me. I didn't actually bring any herbs with me, not, not being the best herbalist, I would say, on that end of things, but 
it made me think about what herbs I'd want to bring with me in the future. And so I thought I would share those with you today, as well as a few other things. I also want to talk about uh, harvesting and stinging nettle and using it as a spring wild food. So, yes, I was probably the most stressed I've been in a long time uh, on my travels. I mean, I think traveling in general is stressful and, you know, seeing family that you haven't seen in a long time, even though it might be a really happy kind of stress, it is still a little stressful. And leaving our pets and our animals in our home and then traveling in a car with my dear loved ones for multiple days, staying in hotels, you know, it just all is a lot. And so what I found is that I really wish that I had had some nervous system supporting herbs with me. Uh, number one of those being oat straw nourishing herbal infusion. Now, oat straw is my go-to for just general overall support of the nervous system as far as when it when it comes to dealing with stress and anxiety and tension and just when you feel like your nerves are frayed and you're on edge or I'm on edge I should say now Infusions aren't necessarily the easiest thing to travel with because if you're going to be making them on the road, you know, you kind of need your whole setup. You need your mason jar and you need to be able to boil water and you need to be able to carry relatively large amounts of bulk herb material with you. So it's not the most practical thing to travel with, though I kind of wished that I had at least brought um, an ounce, I mean, a court of the infusion with me on the road to begin with and then maybe then I would have already had my jar with me and then at least maybe brought one other ounce of oat straw that I could have probably found time somewhere along the way to make and strain and drink but you know maybe not the easiest thing to travel with though probably would have been really beneficial. I just feel the oat straw is super soothing and calming, but not in a sedative way. The next herb that I was feeling, the herbal preparation that I was feeling I would have liked to have on hand would be motherwort tincture, Leonurus cardiaca is the botanical name. And motherwort, I find, is really beneficial for helping me to be able to just breathe deeply. <laughs> and when I start to feel like constricted or like I'm holding my breath due to stress, or if I feel like I'm building up to a potential anxiety attack, um, then I really like to be able to have some motherwort on hand. Now, granted, I haven't had an anxiety attack since I was in high school, really a serious one anyway, but I still 
remember that feeling and I know the buildup to that. And so I like to be able to catch myself uh, ahead of time. And as soon as I start getting that inkling of, of just that really nervous anxiety in my head, like I'm, I'm afraid and I'm not, a, no, I don't know why I'm afraid and I'm finding it harder to breathe. That's when I really start focusing on deep breathing. And trust me, when I was driving on that highway down to Boston, I was deep breathing multiple times, just taking deep breaths. And I really find that when taking deep breaths, it's most important to breathe out, to breathe out fully and completely, which is easier to do than breathing in. And then once you breathe out all the way, it's a lot easier for that inhale to come in on its own. And I find that motherwort tincture just allows me to breathe more easily and can kind of really stop an anxiety attack before it happens. And even like the heart palpitations and the like shakiness, it just really helps to calm that again without being overly sedative. Now, I don't know that I would be taking motherwort tincture while I was driving. I might take a little bit before I would start to drive. And again, it's, it is in the way that I make it is with 100 proof vodka, but you're taking, I'm taking such a very small amount that it's not going to matter as far as driving goes and alcohol blood level goes because it's it's really non-existent amount of alcohol when you take it in dropper form. The motherwort, how I like to make motherwort is I like to make it from the fresh plant. If I, you know, when I have access to it, just in my garden, when it's in bloom, I harvest it and I cut it up into tiny pieces and pack a jar with the herb, fresh herb material to the top and then I fill the jar again with 100 proof vodka to the top and I cover it with a tight lid and I let it macerate or sit for four to six weeks at least or sometimes I'll just let it sit for multiple years until I'm ready to use it depending on how much I have and how much I need to use so with tinctures, you can let them sit, let the herbs sit in the alcohol as long as you want to, as long as the herb is being covered in alcohol or fully saturated. And But you want to at least let it sit for four to six weeks. Motherwort is also a common herb that, you know, an herbal tincture that's available on the open market that you could easily buy. So that I was thinking would have been really nice to have for those intense car rides or even, you know, before going to the Easter dinner, the family event where, you know, 40 of my closest family members would were going to be. Again, it's like exciting nerves, but still that nervous energy. And so just to be able to take the edge off, basically. Just take a little bit before uh, going to the Easter dinner would have probably been beneficial. 
The other herb I was thinking that I would have liked to have on hand or I thought would have been helpful to have on hand would have been some holy basil, otherwise known as Tulsi tea bags. And I think it's a lot easier to be able to make a cup of tea. Usually wherever you go, even if you go to a gas station, they usually have hot water available that you can fill your to-go mug with. Um, Even if you have to buy one of their tea bags, you can still use your own once you get to your car. It's all good. Um, Even holy basil combined with ginger is really nice. Like if you tend to get an upset stomach while traveling or in case you get an upset stomach while traveling, that could be really beneficial. And holy basil for me is also one of these. It's a great adaptogen, uh, especially in cases of high stress where where I really feel like I need to be grounded and have um, really centered thoughts. And it tastes really good. So both motherwort and holy basil are in the mint family. And it's very often that mint family plants can really calm and soothe the nervous system, especially in times of stress and anxiety and or just edginess in general. So You know, if those aren't your favorite mint family plants, then whatever mint family plants you like, maybe you'd want to consider taking them traveling. Maybe lemon balm could be beneficial or lavender, either of those in tincture or tea. Lavender can be actually be quite bitter as a tea, but bitter is also going to be helpful for digestion. Often when I'm traveling, I'm kind of eating road food or restaurant food or whatever is available to me or what my friends that I'm visiting are eating. And so sometimes it's nice to have some sort of bitter or digestive just in case the food is a little heavier or different than what I'm used to ingesting. I also um, was really wanting, was thinking that it would have been really beneficial if I had had along with me my hypericum-infused oil. Hypericum is uh, also known as St. John's wort or St. Joan's wort. And for me, it was, you know, we were in Boston. It was actually pretty warm and sunny on some of the days that we were down there. And the last day that we were down there, um, it was quite warm and quite sunny, and we were outside a lot. We It was the Patriots Day, the Boston Marathon was going on. My father lives quite close to the route, part of the route of the Boston Marathon, so we could just walk from his house to watch thousands of people running. It was really impressive. Again, I felt like such a country bumpkin. I was like, oh my goodness, look at all the people and look at all the fit athletic people. (laughs) I think that there were actually over 25,000 people that ran in the Boston City Marathon this year, which is mind boggling, especially when you watch these like waves of people that fill the road all, you know, running. And he's at kind of the half mile point or the half yeah, the halfway point of the marathon. So 
13 miles in. And it was just really impressive watching, watching folks. But I was outside in the sun a lot and I still have my, my pale winter skin on and I got a little sunburn and my favorite sunblock is Hypericum infused oil. I find it actually works quite well. And even if I do get a sunburn, if I had forgotten to put it on, then the Hypericum oil is also very healing to burned skin. I, you know, if you get like a scalding burn, like if you pour boiling hot water on you accidentally or something, you want to wait before you put any sort of oil on it because it can intensify the burn. But after, once you're in the healing process, um, I find that Hypericum infused oil is really nice at um, healing any kind of burns. I've actually heard um, that Hypericum oil applied even before radiation treatments and after radiation treatments can be really helpful in preventing extreme radiation burns. So that's something um, I don't have firsthand experience with, but I would look into more if I ever have to deal with that, uh, which hopefully I don't, but you never know these days. So Hypericum oil, I like to make it, it has to be made with the fresh plant material. So fresh flowering tops of St. Joan's wort plant. And I love the names, the common name St. Joan's wort. That's what I like to prefer to call it because again, like this is an herb that is of the sun and is really helpful against burning. But then um, in other cases, when it's turned into a drug or when we use the dried plant material in excess or standardized extracts, then it does have this ability to cause photosensitivity where we're actually overly sensitive to sunlight and it can actually intensify sunburns. So that is something that is, again, this really interesting dichotomy to this herb of in, in its whole form, um, when you make your own remedy or you make a remedy that is made from the fresh plant material, it can really help to protect skin from being burned and even protect and heal skin that has had a lot of sun exposure and damage. Even, um, you know, skin that has liver spots or what's called liver spots or sun spots where you get these kind of bigger brown spots on your skin, it can really help to lighten those. And so I had my first experience. I was like, really? Hypericum oil as a sunblock? Probably six or seven or eight years ago was my first time using it this way. And I I went to Florida with my mom and my aunt. And I brought along my Hypericum oil because I was like, okay, I've got to try this out. Uh, again, I had my winter skin, my pale, easy to burn winter skin. And I, the whole time we were there, we were there for a week. And so every morning I would put on the 
put the oil on my face and my arms and we'd be out for the day, whether it's walks on the beach or walks at the preserve or what have you. And I never got burned. And so I was kind of like, oh, on the last day, I was like, oh, I, I probably don't need this. I'm fine. I'm not burning. Who even knows if it's the oil or if it's just my aging skin that doesn't burn anymore. My skin totally still burns, but I, um, so I didn't wear it the last day that I was there and I didn't wear any sunblock the last day I was in Florida this many moons ago. And I sat on the beach, but I had a beach umbrella. So I was in the shade. I was like, Oh, I'll be fine. Of course, I didn't realize or think that this beach umbrella wasn't UV protected. So even though I was in the shade and I felt cool, I was still getting UV sun rays through the umbrella, and which I guess people want if they like to tan, but want to stay cool. Um, but I didn't realize that. And so I ended up getting a pretty bad sunburn on my last day in Florida after not putting on the hypericum oil. So that made me really realize that it had been working that whole time. And now, you know, as a landscape gardener, especially in the early summer and spring, I like to put on the hypericum oil in the morning. It, the, it's kind of a pain because it is kind of messy. It's like oily and you need to apply it a little bit more frequently than you would need to apply you know, store-bought sunblock, um, but a little hypericum oil with a sun hat. And I guess olive oil unto itself actually has um, protective qualities against sun and sunburns, which seems counterintuitive, but uh, it does. So that's what I like to make my hypericum oil with is just plain olive oil. And it works really well. So I wish I had had that with me because I still have a little bit of a sunburn on my face from that day. And then the last thing, I didn't really need this, but I realized that usually when I travel, I always like to have some yarrow tincture with me. And I didn't bring the yarrow tincture this time. Luckily, I didn't need it. But I think of yarrow tincture as my go-to first aid remedy for just about anything. I think it's like the number one thing that I like to have, number one herbal remedy anyway, that I like to have in my first aid kit. It's really great for dressing wounds of any, of any type. So if, you know, any sort of bleeding wound, especially if you're having a hard time from, to stop it from bleeding, um, if you have any sort of skin infection, um, if you get like really chronic bloody noses or even just one bloody nose, the yarrow tincture or can be really helpful in stopping the bleeding. Um, yeah, cleaning out any wound. And then even if you feel like you're coming down with a cold or a sore throat or a fever, all of that, I feel like gyro can really nip in the bud as well. So I like to just have it on hand for both internal and topical use for any sort of situation. And luckily we didn't need it, but 
I kind of wish it would have been nice to have had on hand anyway. Not only that, the other thing that yarrow tincture is really beneficial for is as an insect repellent, which luckily this time of year, the bugs aren't really out yet, but soon they will be. So you can uh, apply it to your ankles if you're worried about ticks. Um, you just need to reapply it every hour and then um, to help with mosquitoes, keeping mosquitoes at bay. It's also really helpful if you just spray it on uh, your clothes or, I mean, maybe not white clothes could because it, it can be, it has some tannins in it, so it can be dark. So you can kind of, you know, spray it around your head or in your hair. Sometimes I'll spray like a cotton swab or a cotton ball with the yarrow tincture and then just kind of tuck it in my bra strap so that the scent is up near my face, but it kind of, I feel like it stays longer when you kind of saturate a cotton swab with it. So that's, yarrow tincture is so great to have on hand for that as well. All in all, I had a great trip, but it's always nice to have some herbal allies along for the ride. <laughs> I feel like, and I can't believe I forgot to bring any with me. So that's my go-to list, especially for highway driving. Um, props to, to you folks if you have to do that on a daily basis. I kind of felt like at the end of my trip, the highway driving was getting a little easier, but I just don't know how we how we do it, how we are driving so fast. Everyone is just driving so fast and going in and out of lanes and huge trucks. And then, you know, we drove by an accident, which is always nerve wracking to see. And just wow, 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 wow. So I, I really realized how stressful city life can be and how important nervine, nervine or nervine herbs are uh, that help to really support nervous system and keep us more on an even keel and how important adaptogens, adaptogenic herbs would be when living in a city or a city environment. There are just constant stressors all around for the nervous system and I know that when when it's a everyday occurrence we don't really fully we aren't conscious of it but I think that even subconsciously you know it really can take a toll and I you know it made sense to me why so many people uh, feel overly stressed and anxious and um just feel burnt out because it's just just surviving on a day-to-day -day basis in a city seems like it could be exhausting. <laughs> so I want to, I do have a story that I want to tell you about how I have recently used Yarrow Tincture. Um, but that, t that worked really well. But first, I want to talk um, a little bit about Noom, 
before we continue with the show. So Noom uses the latest in behavioral science to empower people to take control of their health for good through a combination of psychology, technology, and human coaching on their platform. And they help millions of users meet their personal health and wellness goals. And I would say I'm two or two and a half weeks in to working with the Noom app. And I am enjoying it. I think one of the things I really like about it is the little mini lessons that they offer every day. So you can read or listen to these short little lessons that are like one to three minutes each. And it really just helps with the psychology aspect of how to change habits, um, how to stay motivated, how to stay on track. You know, when you feel like nothing's happening, nothing's changing, the ups and downs, the highs and lows of changing your health by changing your food. Um, I think that it's been really intriguing and it really does help me to stick with the goals that I have set for myself. So I, I don't know. So far I'm still impressed with Noom and you also, if you're interested, could start building better habits for healthier long-term results Sign up for your trial at noom.com slash believe. Again, that's noom, N-O-O-M dot com slash believe, B-L-E-A-V, and see if it's a fit for you. Now back to the pod. So I um, had an interesting experience with Yero Tincture earlier this spring. Uh, or late, late winter, early spring, we have uh, seven chickens. And we usually don't let them out roaming. But this one day, they were kind of roaming around. And we do have uh, probably multiple resident fox, but we have at least one that has caused us troubles in the past with our chickens. And so on this particular day, the fox was around and it it decided to attack one of our chickens and I didn't witness it but my husband Burns uh, witnessed it and he scared the fox off and but the fox had already taken a bite into the rump or the rear of one of our chickens one of our hens and So, you know, while he was trying to get all the other chickens back into their fenced in area, you know, he was like, oh, do you have something this chicken got bit into? Do you have anything that you can clean the wound with and help it with? And so my first thought was yarrow. It's just my go to, as I was saying, my go to first aid herb. So... Um, I isolated the chicken and I, we have this relatively large pet carrier, probably for a size of a small dog, although we just have cats that we use it for. And 
we, I brought it into the mudroom that's kind of the separate entrance of our house. And that was where we attended to the chicken for a few days. Um, you know, I, I kept her in that crate. Uh, I'd let her out to drink water and to eat food. And at least twice a day, I would um, apply yarrow tincture to her wounds. She had multiple puncture wounds from the fox, and they um, never got infected from what I could tell. I immediately cleaned it. The first thing I did, I just like wiped it down with a wet water cloth, and then I soaked a paper towel with some yarrow tincture and applied it topically to the to each wound so that I could tell that the wound was fully saturated with the yarrow tincture. Now, I make my tinctures with 100 proof vodka, which makes the sting a whole lot less than if it was actually um, ethanol or some sort of quote-unquote grain alcohol, sugar alcohol, whatever, like it's a 50% alcohol, 50% water. If for some reason you have a tincture that is made with a very high proof alcohol, like higher than 50% alcohol, which is um, 100 proof, is 50% alcohol and 50% water. If it's higher than 100 proof, then um, you definitely want to water it down some because that alcohol can be really irritating. But it might have stung her a little bit, but it was definitely worth it to stop any sort of infection. And that was also really important to keep her out of the chicken coop for the few days until things scabbed up. Because um, if there are, and it was early in the spring, so there weren't any flies flying around, but flies like to lay eggs in chicken wounds and other animals' wounds. And so you can really get maggots in the long run, which is not good, um, generally, in the wound. And, um, you know, any other sort of bacteria that might be around, the, you know, it's just harder to keep them clean in the, in the chicken coop and to keep an eye on her. All of our chickens are this pretty much the same color, so... Uh, it would be hard to kind of pick out which one was wounded. Short of the long is the chicken is fine. After three or four days, we had to go away for a night. And so I put her back in the coop. And um, yeah, and now I can't even tell which chicken was injured. She grew back her feathers and she was fine. So hooray for Yarrow. This is another reason why it's really beneficial if you can make your own tincture because I didn't feel like I have I didn't feel like I had to be um, use a small amount of the tincture. I felt totally comfortable like really soaking that cloth and her wounds with the tincture because um, you know I, I can make it so the cost is minimal. And it's really easy to make yarrow tincture, similar to how I was talking about the motherwort tincture. I just harvest uh, yarrow flowers when they're in bloom, and I chop them up or cut them up really tiny with scissors so that you can really pack and fill a jar. And then I cover it with 100-proof vodka. So I fill a jar again with 100-proof vodka, put a tight lid on it, let it sit for 
a minimum of four weeks. And there you have it. Easy peasy. And super beneficial. Um, I also wanted to, I meant to say this earlier when I was talking with my, about the Noom, but I like to, I've been wanting to kind of tell you what, at least one fun recipe that I've been making that is helping me to stay on track with my health goals. And, um, so like a low calorie, high quality, high nutrition food that is beneficial. So one of my favorite things I've been making lately is a tuna salad and in a lettuce wrap. And so I, you know, and I just make it once a week. I limit it to myself once a week because I think I heard somewhere along the lines, you know, you only want to eat tuna once a week because of the mercury levels. I think that's for pregnant women. So other people probably for safety could have it more than once a week, but that's kind of where I like to be with the tuna consumption. Um, but I like albacore tuna from a can. And then um, I like to add a lot of cilantro to it and a lot of lemon juice to it and some finely diced celery and finely diced onion and a a little bit of olive oil mayonnaise, like a spoonful, a small spoonful, um, just enough to like make it the right texture and, uh, and some salt. And then it's, you know, to taste, make sure it tastes really good. And I like to do, like I said, lots of, lots of lemon, cilantro and salt are kind of the main flavors. And then the cilantro and onion are more for the crunch I just put a little bit of onion. I don't like to have too much of onion breath. And then um, a nice romaine lettuce leaf. And then just fill it like a taco. (laughs) And eat it. It's so good. And the calorie count on that is amazingly low for the amount of food that you get. So that is my food tip for the week. If you are... Uh, interested in low-calorie, high-nutrition foods. And the last thing I really want to talk about today is stinging nettle. So stinging nettle is finally up here in Maine. Um, It's so fun watching social media, and I follow, of course, a lot of herb-minded folk on there. And so I love seeing, like, as spring progresses, the amount of nettle posts increasing. So, (laughs) I mean, I'm pretty sure in Washington State, you've been harvesting nettle since February or March or something, but I'm super excited now that we finally have some nettle up and my nettle patch started, I planted um, maybe three or four small plants that I bought at a plant sale one year. Uh, that was probably five, at least five or six years ago. And I planted it on the outside edge of where we had a veggie garden, which has kind of turned to weeds because of life and all that good stuff taking over but 
And then, and so now the nettle patch is starting to take over a little bit, but it has some really worthy adversaries. It's also totally grown in with raspberry bramble and blackberry bramble and some forsythia shrubs that were all kind of creeping in from the field. And, but it's funny because they're all kind of, they're all really invasive and hardy plants, but they all seem to be growing happily together. So I went to my nettle patch and I just took my clippers with me and I pruned back all of the brambles. So I didn't kill them because they're just going to keep popping up, but um, I'm going to try to keep up with it this year and keep clipping the blackberries and the raspberries from the nettle patch and hopefully in time they just will give up. But I, at least I made it so that I could access my nettle. And then I harvested the spring greens. So the nettle right now is, oh, it's like two or three inches tall, depending on which one I was looking at. And uh, maybe maybe closer to two, two inches than three inches. But um, it's got at least one, two, three, four, four or five sets of leaves on it. And so I would, I like to harvest my spring nettle barehanded without gloves. I think it's really good practice in respect and awareness of the plant. And if you're really careful, you won't get stung. This, this time of year, the nettle sting, um, the constituents that cause that sting are not nearly as strong as they are when the plant is blooming and going to seed. But also, um, yeah, the plant is smaller, so it's easier not to get stung as well. So what I like to do when I harvest my nettle is to, you're just harvesting like the top half of the plant. And you want to make sure the plant's big enough where it's worth harvesting that half that top half. So if it's still super small, just let it grow a little bit more. But you don't want to harvest it when it's too big um, because then it gets kind of, um, the texture is a little off. So I like to, with my left hand, pick a pick the leaf, um, the larger leaf of the plant, and I pinch it really hard with my fingers. And that prevents it f- from stinging for some reason. I'm not really sure why. From my understanding, it's that the nettle um, sprays the acid. Like if you brush up against it, the acid from the stingers more so than the stingers like penetrate you. It's more of a spray action. So if you don't rub against the plant, it's not going to sting you as much. So just with authority, you pinch the leaf with one hand and then you come at it with the scissors with the other hand and clip right above a leaf node because that's the leaf node is where the leaves meet the stem. And that is where there's a lot of um, easy to regrow activity. And there's also constituents in plants at that spot where it can heal a lot faster the cut, which then prevents any sort of infection from breeding. So that's always when harvesting plants, 
cutting it right above where the leaves meet the stem is a good place to do that. And then you can just take with your fingers still holding that leaf and then put it in your basket. Um, and then just be really aware. Maybe wear long sleeves um, so that if you do brush against the plant, you won't have as much chance of the acid getting on your skin. And so I harvested a, a small basket's worth today, and then I brought it inside to the kitchen and chopped it up with a knife, just kind of lay it out. Um, if you harvest like a lot of stinging nettles, sometimes your fingers will get a little tingly or a little sensitive, your fingertips, if you keep, you know, touching leaf after leaf after leaf, but really not, not too bad. And then I brought it and laid it out on a cutting board and just very carefully used my knife and, you know, with minimally touching the, the plant material with my hands, just slowly chopped the herb into tiny pieces. And then I put it in a cast iron pan with a little bit of water and just let it simmer, put it up on um a heat so that I had a really strong simmer going and I simmered it for about an hour maybe 45 minutes and then so it really started to kind of break you know get tender and then I um, chopped up a bunch of kale and I added more water and I added the kale in with the greens and I let that simmer for another hour as well. So now I have these like really nice cooked down concentrated uh, greens. And I like to I like to add the kale with the nettle because I feel like it improves the texture. Because the nettle, it's good, but it has um, it's it has an interesting texture to it. It's it's kind of like fluffy fuzzy texture but with if you don't cut the stem up really well then the stem can be a little stringy so even if you do cook it down quite a lot so I think that the adding the kale just kind of cuts that texture a little bit it also kind of cuts that really strong wild flavor which if you're not used to it can be just it's just like a little different so it's kind of nice to add other cooking greens I think in with the nettle and then it kind of stretches the the meal out more and the nettle out more um so that in, in and of itself all by itself would be fine you could put some tamari on it toasted sesame oil whatever and just have it as a cooked green on your plate but I also decided to um, cut up some leeks and saute those in some olive oil in a separate pan. And then I um, added them together. And then I um, cooked some potatoes or chopped up some potatoes and sauteed in those in the leek pan uh, with like some of that leek leftover leek oil until they were cooked. I put a lid on it until they were cooked. And then I added the potatoes to the leeks and the greens. And that made a really yummy vegetable side. And 
It was so good that my six-year-old daughter loved it and wanted seconds and thirds. So there you have it. Well-cooked greens kids love, or at least my kid. But I know lots of kids love it versus not so well-cooked greens. And the potatoes just kind of gave it like an even a more texture and made the veggies go further. So with the leftovers of that meat, of the that veggie dish, I'm going to make a frittata with it. So I'm going to take those greens and leeks and potatoes and I'm going to put it in a cast iron pan with a bunch of, of um, eggs that I've scrambled, not cooked, but, you know, like a bunch of egg and that and maybe a little bit of cheese and I'm going to bake it for mm, 45 minutes or so until it's solid. I might even get some chives from the veggie garden or from the garden, the kitchen herb garden and put the chives in and then put little um, tomatoes, cherry tomatoes sliced in half from the grocery store, like on top, because I just think that's like a really nice, pretty little sweet addition to frittata bite. And um, the red is really pretty. So that's what I'm doing with my nettle greens today and tomorrow anyway. Um, other things that you can do with nettle greens is a soup is like a really nice way to work with nettle spring greens. So you can just get a big pot of water and bring it to a boil and then add your nettle. You don't even have to cut it if you don't want to, but I like to cut it because again, I don't really like that texture of the stock without it being cut. Um, and then just bring that pot of water to a boil. And that's the simplest. It could just be basically be nettle cooked in water. And then that's your soup. You can then, if you want, when you remove it from the heat, you could add a spoonful of miso to it to give it a miso broth, a spoonful of miso paste. And that's really good too. If you wanted to go even further with your soup, um, you could start out by just um, in a little bit of oil, sauteing up onions and celery and carrots that have been diced until the onions are translucent. And then you add your water and bring that to a boil and then you add your nettle and then you can add whatever else you want to add to it. But that is um I feel like the onion and the celery and the carrot are your like basic starters to any soup and then you can just add add whatever else you want from there so there you have it a couple thoughts on nettle and maybe next week I'll have some more ideas for you I know that people really like doing like a nettle pesto and so they'll blanch it first just to get rid of that sting, like really quick. Just throw it in some hot water and then strain it out and then probably squeeze out the water from the nettle before you put it in your blender with toasted nuts and Parmesan cheese and olive oil to make a really nice pesto spread. So go out there, if you still have spring green nettle out there, um, see if you want to try harvesting it with your bare hands. 
unless if you have super sensitive skin. Um, and then see what fun in the kitchen you can have with nettle. And then let me know. Shoot me a message, an email, uh, or a DM on Instagram. You can find me at Solidago Herb School on Instagram, Facebook, my website. All work with that tag. And I'd love to hear from you. If you enjoy this podcast, I would be so grateful if you would leave a short review on iTunes or even just hit um, a four or five star review would be great. It just helps more people find the podcast and we can uh, get that much closer to home herbalism being as common um, in the everyday household as cooking a healthy meal. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Bridget Doherty. Until next week, be well, let intuition guide you, and have fun with herbs. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit make these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Super Light Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step 
and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The Eucalyptus Fiber Upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Superlight Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Superlight shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And, because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24.